You're listening to Girls with Grafts, a burn community podcast created by Phoenix Society for Burn Survivors, a leading nonprofit dedicated to supporting the burn community. In this podcast, we'll talk with burn survivors, share resources to help with supporting and improving burn recovery, and discuss how to prevent burn injuries. Here are your hosts, burn survivors and Phoenix Society's marketing team, Amber Wilcox and Rachel Kudlak. Hello, and welcome back to Girls with Graphs. I am Rachel Kudlak, and I'm one of the hosts of the podcast, and I'm joined today by my lovely co-host, Amber Wilcox. Hi there. So excited to be uh, recording today's episode for all of our our listeners out there. Um, We have a really exciting special guest. So uh, Rachel, without further ado, I'm going to let you uh, start the show. Yeah, yeah. And before I do introduce today's guest, I do want to give a special shout out to Spalding Rehabilitation Network. Spalding is one of our Phoenix partners and is a world leader in advanced rehabilitation treatment and research, and they serve the greater Boston region and beyond. And today's guest knows Spalding very, very well because it is Dr. Jeffrey Schneider, who is the medical director of burn trauma and orthopedic rehabilitation and the director of the rehabilitation outcomes group at Spalding. Um, In addition, he serves as the division chief of comprehensive rehabilitation and associate chair of physical medicine and rehabilitation at Harvard Medical School. His research is focused on the long-term effects of a burn injury, which we'll be diving into. Um, And he's also the principal investigator and project director of the Boston Harvard Burn Injury Model System, which is a multi-institutional clinical and research collaboration between Spalding, Massachusetts General Hospital, Brigham and Women's Hospital, Boston University, and Shriners Hospital for Boston children or for children in Boston. Sorry, lots of Boston, lots of rehabilitations. Uh, I think I made it through good enough. But thank you, uh, Dr. Schneider, for joining us today. Thank you, Rachel and Amber, for the opportunity to be here and talk with you today, and for the kind introduction. Yeah, we're so excited to have you, Dr. Snyder. So I know you're a familiar face, or in this case, for those listening, a voice for the burn community. Um, But those that don't know who you are, can you share a little bit about your background and how you got involved specifically in in the burn community? Yeah, great question. So uh, I've been a doctor for over 20 years, and uh, I work, as you said, primarily at Spalding Rehabilitation Hospital. Uh, my specialty is physical medicine and rehabilitation. So in caring for people who have had major injuries and, and really uh, require long-term care and recovery from those injuries and for some people uh, years after their injury. And actually when I was in training uh, as a resident, I uh, had the opportunity to care for a number of burn survivors who survived the Rhode Island nightclub fire at the station nightclub. And um, those are the first people I ever took care of who were burn survivors. And that got me interested in this population. I um, did a study following up some of the over a hundred burn survivors from the station or survivors of the station nightclub fire. Some of them were burned and some of them were not um, in a research format. And uh, ever since then, I've um, this has been an area that I've really focused on and been interested in trying to help the burn survivor community just, you know, live their best lives over the long term after their injuries. So 
Yes, and, and we've had Gina Russo on the podcast a few times. So our listeners know a little bit about, um, you know, her journey in the station nightclub fire. Um, but, you know, working with you, I've had the pleasure of knowing you for a few years now. And I, I know a lot more about, you know, your research side of things and that focus. Um, and like I mentioned in the bio, you've been, you know, you focus on the long term effects of the burn injury. Um, and the Boston Harvard Burn Injury Model System. Can you tell us more about, you know, what that collaboration is and some of the research that goes in into that? Yeah, sure. We're really fortunate to be funded by the federal government to do this research. Um, there are four federally funded burn model systems across the country. Um, we've been one for a little over 10 years now. Um, and these are like, they're called center grants. You know, they fund sort of a, a center to focus on really learning and advancing the care and uh, uh, research of people with burn injuries over the long term after their injury. Um, and so, yeah, it's a collaboration. So, you know, here in Boston, as part of the Boston Harvard Burn Injury Model System, we work together at Spalding with colleagues at the Mass General Hospital and Brigham and Women's Hospital um, and uh, the BU School of Public Health. Um, and really, the idea is to bring together lots of different types of uh, specialists, different ideas. You know, I'm a rehab medicine doctor. Some of my colleagues are surgeons. Others are, you know, health uh, policy people and design people who design metrics, uh, as well as burn survivors are part of our team. So it's a really unique kind of um, collaboration. And uh, we're very focused on uh, advancing the life of burn survivors, you know, over the long term and better understanding what the issues that people face. I mean, for a long time, just really learning what those issues are has been a big advance. Um, and you know, designing interventions and ways to help people live their best lives uh, over the long term. You know, one of the unique things that the burn model system does is they we've been collecting um, information data on burn survivors for their life after their injury. There's over six thousand burn survivors that uh, have contributed to this burn model system database, and that's like such a rich resource which helps us understand you know, what are the issues that people face so we can really think more about how to better address them. That's great. Yeah, I believe I was part of the um, injury model system myself and got involved through Phoenix Society. Um, I will say, I guess, from that research that you've gotten, um, do you have areas where you've defined as the greatest need for burn injuries? And can you share some of that with those that are listening today? Yeah, um, you know, I, for one, I think like partnering with burn survivors to better understand what those issues are is really important. And um, I think a lot of research hasn't historically involved that type of partnership. Um, one really good example from our group is, you know, one of um, uh, our collaborators and a, a burn survivor was asking us about having fatigue symptoms and said, you know, I really have such fatigue, you know, what is the deal with this? Is it related to my burn? And we went and like looked in the research literature and there was really nothing written about people with a burn and fatigue. So, you know, that's kind of interesting. So we looked through this database and actually we have a, a questionnaire we've been asking people, which has been used historically to measure 
symptoms of fatigue and people with chronic fatigue syndrome, but we just took the same instrument and said, you know, how many people actually with a burn injury have these symptoms? And we found like two years after their injury, like almost 50% of people in this database were still reporting fatigue symptoms. So, you know, it's a great example of just learning from people that were taking care of and partnering with them to really try to better understand their issues. You know, you think about what are the biggest needs. You know, I think that empowering burn survivors to to live their best life um, is really uh, so more and more how I think about uh, uh, contributions that we can make. You know, the project that we are focused on in this grant cycle where we've been funded as a burn model system, we're starting to develop what's called a um, a self-management program where, you know, I think every burn survivor is unique and has their own sets of issues and no two people are exactly the same. And so it's hard to design maybe an intervention that fits for everybody. That makes sense. But this idea, I think, does fit a lot of people because the, the principle of it is that we through training actually other burn survivors to lead a self-management program, they become leaders of this. And then they lead sort of an online program that occurs over the span of around six weeks where people are empowered to sort of better manage their own situation and the challenges they face. And it's more about, you know, skills to manage challenges than it is about what those challenges are. So people could have mental health challenges or physical issues or social issues or totally you know, monetary things about money and finance. It could be anything. It's really just about problem solving and how to address, manage those. And um, so anyway, we're hopeful that that's gonna be a really uh, helpful intervention for burn survivors. It's been used in lots of people with lots of other chronic conditions, uh, but it's never been tested in a burn survivor population or other populations with traumatic injuries. And so mm-hmm. we're excited to sort of trial that. Yeah. Yeah. And I love the idea too of putting more power, like self power and being able to self, not necessarily self diagnose, but understanding more on your own um, and to identify some of those symptoms. So, you know, you talked to, we asked you and you talked about, you know, what understanding and areas we still need to get a better understanding of, but throughout your research so far, has there been any, you know, really great strides in a particular area that we really have figured out now, or, or I guess what's been maybe some of the successes of the research you've done so far? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I would start by saying that we're, there's always more we need to learn. And I, I'm, I come from a perspective of always feeling like we're not doing a good enough job. We always need to do a better job. So, um, you know, one of the things that our group has been involved in is the development of a an instrument, a, a, a fancy questionnaire called the LIBRE. It stands for Life Impact Burn Recovery Evaluation. And it was designed uh, with a bunch of my colleagues here in, in collaboration with the Phoenix Society and with uh, other burn survivors uh, locally and nationally um, as uh, an assessment to better understand burn survivors, and we call it social participation. It's like a fancy term to describe sort of how people are living in their lives. You know, when I look at, you know, the focus of a lot of clinical care and research, I think for a long time, it's really focused on things related closer to the hospital period and and when people are hospitalized. And then a lot of uh, physical complications, like a contracture, very important, but, you know, 
a burn survivor might not come to me in clinic and complain about their range of motion being 20 degrees or 30 degrees off of normal. They're really talking about like, can I get back to my life? Can I, I want to get back to doing things that I did before or, you know, my relationship and how that is or work, you know, and so those are really the issues of social participation. And so this is an instrument that's designed just for the burn survivor population to better understand we divided this social participation into six different areas, you know, your relationship with family and friends, romantic relationships and sexual relationships, work and employment, um, uh, what else? Uh, social interactions and social um, um, activities. activities yeah. So yeah, yeah, sorry, I had to, off the top of my head. But the, you know, it just sort of really tries to capture different aspects of people's lives and what they're trying to get back to doing. So I think that's been a really important um, contribution because if you can't measure something, you can't actually figure out how to make it better. Um, mm -hmm. So that's really a major first step. And there were over 600 burn survivors who contributed to the development of that, uh, in addition to organizations like Phoenix. So, you know, it's been a really big effort of people really across the country. So we're really grateful for that, but we're hopeful that's going to really help target more interventions in the future to help people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And I know, yeah, we've used, you know, those six um, buckets and categories and some of, you know, our research and our, you know, even when we're working on developing blogs and articles for the website and, you know, those six areas are, you know, six main needs of the burn survivor community. And, you know, for some, you know, maybe the social interaction and activities are the biggest challenge and for others, and maybe returning to work. Um, so yeah, we've used those six categories a, a ton. Would you say there's maybe one category in particular that, you know, we need more information on or, or what are your thoughts on that? Uh, that's a great question. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to single out a, a, a one category. Um, I think for each person, it, like you said, it can be different. Um, yeah. I mean, on, you know, everyone's different. I think that's sort of the key is sort of, it's like a profile. Yeah, course, each person yeah. might have different needs or everyone has their own strengths and weaknesses in their life, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, so. Yeah. yeah, I may have a solid relationship, right? Like, uh, kind of model there, but somebody else may have that very differently and how they've recovered. So I think, yeah, their experiences also probably contribute that, right? Mm -hmm. um, oh, sorry. No, I was <laughs> no, just, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going <laughs> to ask kind of what is maybe next for Libre or if someone's listening and, you know, we've, we've talked about Libre a lot with, you know, some of our community members, but, you know, if they're new to the community or this is the first podcast they're listening to, um, What's next for Libre or how can a survivor get involved? That's a great question. So um, I think one of the next steps is that we're starting to do this is to use Libre as like an outcome. It helps us really to, you know, scientifically just assess how someone is doing. And we can try new interventions like this self-management program and then measure people's Libre scores before they had this intervention and after to see like, is it really helping them in these different domains, these different buckets of social participation? Um, so I think that's a big one as a, a test to assess an intervention. Is it, is it helping people in these ways? The other one, uh, there's a couple other ideas. One is, you know, for clinicians to start using it in clinical practice, like 
we have uh, a colleague, he's a psychologist in Washington, DC. His name happens to be Dr. Schneider also, we're not related, <laughs> Dan Schneider. And he started to use it in his own clinical practice where he sees a patient and he administers the Libre and then helps him decide things to focus on with, the pa with his patient, what things they That's should address right. and then to assess it later and see how they're doing and use it as feedback to his patients too. You know, the other idea that I think that might get used in the future is also just for burn survivors themselves to use it and just as mm -hmm. a tool to help them understand how they're doing. Um, you know, the scores are uh, scaled to compare them to other burn survivors. So sometimes people might be reassured in knowing, oh, you know, how I'm doing is similar to other people mm -hmm. or, oh, this is an area that I need help with. Maybe I should seek help. From get help yeah, from yeah, help me understand, someone understand the context of how they're doing. So I think there's lots of ways for it to be used. And there's probably many others I can't even think of, but um, those are- I like the idea of the doctor asking that progress, right? Because I think, and I think my medical team did some of that, right? Of like, how are, you know, how are you progressing in certain ways? But there's more of an emotional aspect that I feel like would be helpful for a medical team to ask, to be able to, to route you in the direction of like, hey, we have, you know, these programs or things like that that could help. Because um, I think there's a lot of physical, right, check-ins, but um, like in terms of the emotional check-in, I think there's a lot of of work that like the healthcare system can learn from like um, some of this research of like, hey, you know, you can ask me how I'm physically doing, but have you asked me emotionally? I think that's a really important part of it. And that is, a, you know, a good aspect of my emotional healing too, right? Like if I'm emotionally, or like when my physical healing, if I'm not emotionally doing well, I'm not going to want to get up and go try to work out or, or do things to kind of get better. So I think they play hand in hand very well as well. Yeah. I also wonder, you know, I think that's a great point. Uh, Phoenix, you guys also have really great programs, social skills, right. you know, um, various other things that I know you guys are always developing new things. That's one idea that maybe you might try, like maybe mm -hmm. you could use it as a way to see how people might be benefiting from mm -hmm. uh, different programs that Phoenix offers or other organizations are offering. I think, I think this is a good thing, but I think increasingly a lot of things are being offered outside of the medical system. It's in the community. You know, I think the community is such a big part of mm -hmm. survivors' recovery. It's not just the medical healthcare system right. providing this. It's getting involved with the other. Beyond, yeah, the hospital and the providers in a hospital mm -hmm. clinic. So like you said, Rachel, like empowering the burn survivors to be the agent of their own uh, recovery is a, is a big mm -hmm. part too. Mm -hmm. their own advocates yeah. yeah well and i i think too you know amber when you're talking about the healthcare teams asking with some of these assessments i think this would be a huge help because you know with the physical healing there's more you know it's black and white when you can see your physical healing getting better you can see see your scars healing you can see your skin stretching better or whatnot but when it comes to the emotional and mental side of things like they don't we don't have the same type of benchmarks as we do with the physical healing so having anything i think is a great start of just like okay look where I was you know we talk about journaling all the time and looking back like a year ago to see where you were and you know i just think the more assess i don't want to say assessments because then i feel like people go away from that because it sounds like a test test and it's scary but mm -hmm. having those benchmarks i think can really help see you know growth for sure. Well, um, another area that you've discussed in before, and I know as someone who's like been in the community for 
for a little bit of time now, I hear this come up all, this question come up all the time. Are burns a, considered a chronic condition? Um, and so I'd love if you would help us with like, what does that mean? And what is that by definition, like chronic condition? Can you help us explore that a little bit? Because I think that's something that our community would really love to hear from an expert like yourself of what that truly means. Sure. Um, I would start by saying that, you know, this is not for everyone who has a burn injury, it would necessarily consider it a chronic condition. And, um, you know, uh, a bunch of people in this field who care for people with burn injuries have started talking about this issue more. Um, and I think using that term is really to try to advocate for burn survivors and getting the care and the resources that they need um, over the long term. Um, and uh, we've learned a lot from like other groups and populations. You know, there's um, some of my colleagues take care of people who have spinal cord injuries and traumatic brain injuries. And these groups have gotten um, historically more like funding, federal research funding and more attention. Um, certainly TBI has gotten more attention through wars and things like that. And um, anyway, they've started to adopt this idea too. And I think the idea is that I think long ago, but some sometimes more recently, people used to think of a thing like a, a traumatic injury, like a burn, as an event that happens in a point in time, and then it heals and it's done, you know? And I mean, I think that's great for some people, that is the case. And certainly for some people with more minor burns, that could be the case. But some people who have more significant injuries, we, like we said, the Libre, it can affect people all sorts of different ways and it can affect them for long periods of time and different ways for everyone. Um, and I think um, this idea of the chronic condition is just to say that, you know, it can last after people leave the hospital. Sometimes people just have like one or two follow-ups in their clinic and then, you know, they're back to their regular primary care general doctor to see. And this sort of acknowledges that, you know, even beyond, I think people would say after a year, people are considered to have a chronic condition, that people continue to have issues, physical, social, um, psychological, mental issues related to their burn injury that can, can last beyond that year. And, um, you know, to start to name it that helps us sort of advocate for resources and funding and care that would, you know, address those the issues that continue for some people. Mm -hmm. I don't know, that's, that's my first answer yeah. to it. I have to talk to you more about it, but. Yeah, so is that why, you know, maybe burns aren't classified as a chronic condition right now is because there's such a wide range of a burn injury from a very minor to a very severe burn injury? Is that why? Yeah, I mean, that can be part of why it is. Although some chronic things that are classified as, you know, the there's a lot of like uh, nitty gritty on these things that's mm -hmm. sort of over my head too sometimes, but you know, there's, for example, the center for Medicare and Medicaid services, you know, federal insurance for Medicaid and Medicare, they have a list of chronic conditions and um, burns are not on that list currently. Um, but no, I don't think any other traumatic injuries are either. And uh, a lot of policy things like when, um, you know, laws are passed that support funding for long-term burn survivor where, uh, care and, um, you know, the needs of these uh, long-term issues. It stems from these types of 
you know, issues like putting your name on a list sometimes might can help with those things. I'm not an expert in that. I think that uh, one of the things we can really advocate for as a, as a community, as burn survivor and the clinical care community of burn survivors is for changes, I think, in policy to more support, you know, burn survivors over the long term. You know, would think like I, the questions I have are things like, you know, would something like, let's say, this self-management program as an example. Let's say we find it's really helpful. Would that be supported by someone's insurance? Right now, probably mm -hmm. not. But you know, mm -hmm. the more we can advocate for this to be recognized, I think those sort of things might come down the pike. You know, I always wonder, sure. would even a, a gym membership be helpful? Why can that be, you know, these things might be really <laughs> great things for mm -hmm. people. What yeah. recommendations do you have for folks that, you know, are experiencing these long-term issues but yeah, not recognizing, right? Or it's not being recognized as that per se, like chronic condition. I know advocacy is a big part of it. Um, where do you start when it comes to advocacy? And, and you may not know the answer, but maybe you've done some work in this. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know some of the answers. I, I don't definitely don't know all these answers. Um, you know, I, I open to your ideas about this too. I mean, one thing is, I think, the burn survivor community is, can be a real strength for a lot of people. I think sure. you know, one of the things that I often recommend for the patients that I take care of is try to get them connected to the burn survivor community. I think that's really, can be really invaluable for people, um, even people who are skeptical of that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, I'm not really interested in a group session or talking about my issues to other people. A lot of people I find are actually surprised at them, surprise themselves. They didn't think they'd be into it, but they surprised us and find it a worthwhile connection. Um, you know, never be afraid to ask your providers, your clinicians, your, you know, hey, I have this issue going on. I don't know what it is or mm -hmm. I don't know how to address it. You know, you can always start there. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I think, you know, there's always research going on. I'm happy for people to connect with our group. Um, if you're interested in Participating helps us learn more about how to help people. Um, we always have projects that we're trying to um, learn more from. Um, uh, and there's other groups that are doing great research too. I think those are opportunities. For sure. And we'll put the, the uh, link that's on the screen right now in our show notes because there are um, tons of studies, like you mentioned, going on all the time, but also your study, um, the kind of the overview of the um, the study is also on that page. So we'll make sure we keep drop that in our show notes. Mm -hmm. But like uh, Dr. Snyder said, we would definitely recommend that you continue to look and seek out those opportunities because those are big areas of, of need for the community as the more voices we can get together. I think, like you said, the stronger um, and, and more kind of like backing we have to kind of continue to push these efforts forward. Mm -hmm. I would say, I just want to add as I... I would be remiss in not saying this, that we, the, uh, a bunch of uh, clinical research groups in different hospitals across the country worked really closely with the Phoenix Society this past year to advocate to Congress to spend more money on burn research. Mm -hmm. And I think that, the, you know, I, we're still waiting to find out how that pans out, but that's the kind of thing that just have to keep working at. And we, with uh, various people at Phoenix, met with Congress people and talked about, you know, the importance of you know, funding research, and this is the kind of thing that other groups have done historically over time, been really successful, and I think those things ultimately matter, so. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And, you know, for those listening, whether you are a survivor or a loved one or a burn care professional, you know, advocacy and research doesn't necessarily mean, you know, going to Congress and sharing your story in front of a ton of people. Maybe it's participating in a research study, which maybe a 30 minute survey you complete every few months. It doesn't have to be, you know, big, crazy, wild ideas, you know, just but by participating even a small amount, joining our Facebook group and sharing your story with others, whatever it means, you know, the more voices we have in our community, the the stronger we'll be and the more we can get done as a group. So um, I just do want to plug that too. Don't, don't be afraid to be involved in advocacy and research. It's, it's can be as simple as you want it to be. Um, and we want, want your help. So um, and I did also want to make sure we plugged, you know, a few years ago at virtual Phoenix World Burn Congress, I think it was in 2021, Dr. Schneider was on a panel discussion, which we'll have linked in our description below as well. Um, but it talked all about, you know, exploring burns as a chronic condition. And that was a really, really great session. So if you did miss that, or if you were there and want to revisit it, um, that is a great resource we have. So um before we move on, I do just want to ask some more questions about the chronic condition. Um, you know, aside from maybe the insurance side of things, what else would it mean for the community if, you know, burns were classified as a as a chronic condition? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I mean, I think it has potential to really reshape some of the care that's provided, um, you know, different care models. We uh, recently uh, are working with some surgical colleagues at the Brigham and Women's Hospital to develop, um, it's for trauma in general, so multiple different people with different conditions under the umbrella of trauma, including burns, develop more of like a longitudinal quality of life clinic. So it's not just for like, you know, showing up and leaving the hospital, but more over the longer term. And it's designed to be much more multidisciplinary um, in almost like a, we call like a survivorship clinic, um, really promoting that aspect of survivorship and thriving. And um, uh, it's been modeled after, you know, and lots of other medical issues like cancer. And they, they've really thrived in the, developing these types of clinics. And it has like a psychiatrist there and a rehab medicine doctor and a surgeon. And then there'll be other different services provided as part of the clinic having to do with everything from financial issues to exercise and wellness to uh, mental health. Um, so anyway, you know, there are lots of different things we can do to really, I think we're still learning what's the best way to provide that care. I mean, mm -hmm. the, the older models were focused on sort of addressing the acute issues and lingering wound care issues. But like we just described earlier, there are lots of other things that come up over the long term and what's the best way to care for people that through that, yeah, you know, those experiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what advice or what, I guess, tips would you give a survivor who, you know, may not have a local burn center or burn unit near them. And, you know, they do just have their primary care doctor and they want to talk about some of their chronic conditions or, maybe it's not even a chronic condition, but maybe just something that's come back up with their burn injury. What what advice or information would you share with them? Yeah, um, I mean, one, I think Phoenix and other support organizations are great. You know, talking to other burn survivors helps understand like 
where it might help people understand where they are and if this is normal or like other people or are you i think a lot of people feel isolated and alone and don't know if what they're experiencing is similar to anybody else mm-hmm. uh, there are a lot of like resources online um, that are free and available to the public um, all the model systems have a lot of uh, information that's geared toward the lay person you know a non-medical person to read and understand there are videos there are we call them fact sheets. They're kind of like mm-hmm. one or two pages that are written for a non-medical person to read, just an average person and their their family to understand various aspects of burn injury, from like what is a burn to you know wound care and itch and pain and uh, mental health issues and various other things. Getting back to work, um, yep. you know. Uh, you know, those are various things people can do. There are like lots of things I just would recommend for anyone, like, you know, diet and exercise are great interventions for most any uh, person in terms of wellness and living their living a good life. And a lot of people find that, you know, the more they exercise, just having normal activity it doesn't have to be you go to a gym and, you know, or weightlifting. We can just talk about going for a walk every day or three days a week, going for a nice, you know, it can be simple things. Um, it should be something that can be attainable. And it, uh, one person can do on their own or with other people. Um, mm-hmm. I think those things are often really helpful for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I see Amber put up, thank you, the um, MSKTC website. We'll make sure that's linked below. We also have um, a bunch of the fact sheets available on our website too in our resource marketplace. So, you know, um, and, and they have so many great resources in Spanish, if not all of the resources are in Spanish. So um, if you are looking for some Spanish resources, that's another great website to visit. That's right. They're all in English and Spanish, all of them. Awesome. Yeah. So Dr. Snyder, tell us a little bit about what a day in the life of mm-hmm. um, your kind of role is and, and what research projects or things you're working on right now. Uh, we'd love to hear more about kind of your day to day. Sure. I have the greatest job, in my opinion. I, mm-hmm. I love what I do. Um, I, there's a, I do a lot of different things, and that's kind of why one of the reasons I really like it. And I'm lucky in the, that I feel like um, I am able to help people. So, um, you know, I take care of people clinically, uh, mostly in, a, in an inpatient rehab hospital. So this is a facility here at Spalding Rehab Hospital in Boston. And um, patients come here to be an inpatient after they've had more serious injuries. You know, people who've been in the hospital for a long period of time after a large burn injury, for example, and then need to spend often weeks here to get well enough to go home. Um, And uh, they have lots of different physical, mental, and uh, medical issues while they're here, which I help them manage. And then I follow people after they leave the hospital and go home to the community and you know, I saw a patient last week who had a burn injury 12 years ago, and I continue to follow her all, the, all these years. So some of these patients are, you know, I, I'm growing old with some of my patients. <laughs> um, That's awesome. Yeah, some of them, you know, there are issues that come up and they wax and wane, you know, some people you don't see for a while and they come back and have other things they want to work on. So uh, I get to follow them and that in a clinic setting too, you know, sort of as an outpatient, they're, you know, sort of tweaking other issues or issues that come up over time. And then I'm really fortunate I'm part of a research group. You know, I, 
I uh, help lead the group, but I have lots of people that I work with. I certainly don't do it by myself. And um, it's great. We get to, we meet, you know, a number of times each week. We have various different research projects that we're working on. And uh, we're trying to continually learn from the work that we're doing to really better help burn survivors. And, you know, even some of the work we're doing recently is really bridging into how we think about people with trauma in general. Because I think we're, learning about not just from the Burns Fire community, but how we can take that and help other people or how what other people are doing can help us think more about what's best for burn survivors. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of my my life. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm sure it's awesome to see, you know, those survivors that you did work with, you know, 12, 10, whatever years ago and kind of see them grow um, and yeah. evolve and just watch their journey. Yes, exactly. I have a... Yeah. On my desk here, I had a patient of mine who took care of three years ago who came by the hospital just to visit, who dropped off a card to thank oh, the, that's really the cool. whole staff for all the care. And, you know, he's back at home with his family. And we have a local uh, burn survivor organization, uh, the Burn Survivors New England. They have a charity walk mm-hmm. and a bunch of burn survivors come back together who haven't, we haven't seen in a long time, especially with the pandemic. We have actually haven't had this walk a uh, charity event in a number of years. So those are uh, nice events and get to see people. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, it, it's a sense of community too, which I think um, is a special thing about the Burns Around Our community. Yeah, sure. And I think with you saying you started kind of with the Station Nightclub, right, accident, I'm sure there's a lot of survivors um, who you followed. I know like Gina, right, is a good friend of ours and, and in the community, but um, she just talked about in her episode that we had how much she's evolved. So I'm sure you've seen the evolution really from the very beginning for some of these patients to where they are now. That's an incredible journey that they've been on. Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm just grateful for all the patients that have let me be involved in a small part in their lives and um I've learned so much from them. So that's. Do you find that what you learn in, in your clinical setting is kind of what you translate then to kind of the research that you do? So um, like things that patients, you know, deal with, do you, does that spark kind of some inspiration for you in your research? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I gave you that example about the fatigue issue in the beginning of our talk, but I think um, just clinically through my own experience, certainly but we've also been very intentional in trying to include burn survivors as part of our research team uh, to really be like part of the process at all, all the time. Um, so um, I can give a shout out to Diana Tenney, who's a burn survivor mm-hmm. and is very active in the burn survivor community. She's um, our co-director of, we call it dissemination activities. So, you know, how we get the information out the community and other people who to know about the work we're doing. And uh, we work with actually an advisory board. Um, and there are many people with burn injuries on our advisory board. We meet with them regularly to help constantly like give us feedback about the work we're doing, come up with ideas for what we should be doing. Um, and, you know, that's just an integral part of what we do. Um, you know, obviously I have a perspective, but I don't, I, I don't, I'm not living with a burn injury. And so um, that's just like so important for us to be informed by people living with these experiences to tell us what's important. Yeah, you know, that's awesome. we've evolved with them. They're, they've helped us sort of 
change, over time, we've changed the kinds of things we're looking at based on that. Right. Kind of feedback. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Well, and I know, so at um, American Burn Association's annual meeting earlier this year, you were awarded the Harvey Stewart Allen Distinguished Service Award, um, which is given out to an outstanding scientist for their contribution to the burn field. So first off, congratulations again yes. on receiving that award. But secondly, what does it mean to you to, to have received that award at the ABA earlier this year? Uh, yeah, thank you. Um, you know, I, I I would say that like all the work that I do is really part of a, a team and I really don't do any of it on my own. So I, I really am grateful to all of the burn survivors and their families who, you know, been such a big part of the work that we do and my entire research team that's been part of this work. And, you know, it's like we just add it every day, trying to make a little bit of a difference each day is slowly moving along. And so, you know, it's... Uh, I think it's nice for the American Burn Association to recognize our work in the sense that, you know, we focus more on the longer term issues. Um, and so um, I think that's an important, as we're getting so much better, you know, I have all these surgical colleagues to thank for the tremendous work they do and um, enabling so many more people with really severe burn injuries to survive these injuries. Mm -hmm. uh, and now we're faced with sort of people surviving and so, managing sort of the issues that those people face long-term. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Well, we have um, some final questions for you, but before we do, is there anything that we haven't asked you that you want to share with the community? Because I you know the folks that listen to this aren't just burn survivors, there's clinical professionals and whatnot. And so um, I'm sure they'd love to hear from you kind of what you want to share with the community or encourage the community uh, at large. Um. <laughs> I don't know. I just keep, tell, keep telling us about what's important. And, you know, one way you can do that is by communicating with your providers and your uh, people who you take care of, take, help take care of you in the medical world, but also, you know, by participating in research or helping us in, inform what's important. Um, our group is always interested to your, in your feedback and your ideas. So that's what I would say. I'm open and to <laughs> you could tell tell me now or a few other ideas. Is uh, there um, a way to get in touch with the folks at Spalding? I know you said um, you have folks, you know, you rec re regularly look for burn survivors to kind of participate. What's the best way that you would recommend? And we can put it in our show notes as well to have folks connect with with your team at Spalding. Um, was it to visit the, the website that we kind of put in the show description? Yeah, the burn, Boston Harvard Burn Injury Model System website. That's a okay. great website because it has lots of resources and it also has a contact us link, which is really easy for people. Um, they can click on the link to be participate in research. They can click on the link just to send us a message, um, ask questions. Um, so that's a great way to connect with us. Mm -hmm. And and I believe, tell me if I'm wrong, this even if you're not in the Boston area, you can still participate. Yeah. So doesn't just because Boston's in the name, don't be afraid. Uh, you can be located anywhere, and and you can you can help out. That's right. You know, for example, a lot of the research we've done has been across across the whole country. And um, for example, the Libre we talked about was a national study, and burn survivors across the country were involved, including Canada. And this self management um, study, which we're starting to embark on, called the Climb study um well that's cool also I like the name. National. 
study yeah. uh, in and in Canada. So anyone across the country who's interested, um, feel free to reach out. Awesome. And we are also going to link to the Phoenix Society site where um, a lot of the research studies that do come out, we put them on that, that site to get involved. So anyone listening, um, we will put all of those notes in there and you can contact um, Dr. Schneider's team and or um, participate in research online. Well, with that, um, we do have two final questions for you. Um, the first I have, um, because I think this is really important, um, coming from a clinical perspective, um, what advice would you give a newly injured burn survivor? So um, I know what advice I'd give and, and maybe Rachel would give, but as somebody who's a clinical professional, mm-hmm. um, what, what is the biggest piece of advice that you'd give to like a new patient that, that enters the, the rehab facility? Um a good question i mean I, I i think one is like for many people with a more severe injuries you know just to take it day by day do your best each day and uh if you do that and focus on the things you can do you have control over and um i'm hopeful that each day w- ways to make things a little bit better um and that you know it, it's it's not a sprint it's more of a long it's a marathon it's, yeah you know, um, people who end up being hospitalized for a longer period of time and have significant injuries. Um, uh, it, the, you know, there's an arc to it, and it's, it doesn't. Nothing happens right away. But that said, um, you know, reaching out, asking for help when you need it. I think those are other important things. Help can be through just family and friends, or through Phoenix or other organ- support organizations, through your providers. I mean, there are lots of people who are there to help with support, I think are really, can be really vital for people in their recovery. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yes. Don't no, be afraid sure. to ask for help. Yeah. Yeah, coming from somebody who I think, right, sees lots of um, patients every day who are, you know, in that long-term road to recovery. So that's definitely a valuable piece of advice for sure. Mm-hmm. Yes, and our final question, it's our Phoenix Partner question which today is sponsored by Spalding Rehabilitation Network, who is committed to delivering compassionate care along along every step of your rehabilitation journey. So the question is, what is something you are grateful for today? Doesn't have to be podcast burn related or whatever. It can be anything. Sure. I'll make a non-burn related one. I'm grateful for my dog. (laughs) (laughs) We're dog people here too. Yeah, excited and happy to see me. And, you know, reminds me, uh, you know, inspirational, like, you know, try to be the best person I can be every day. That, uh, you know, the more and more I can be like my dog. <laughs> what kind of dog do you have? You have a great attitude every day, you know. It's like, <laughs> what kind of dog do you have? I have a Labradoodle. Oh, um, they're so fluffy and fun too. I don't know if you could see my dog was. She, I have seen. She felt yeah, compelled to make an appearance today. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know, they bring their best every day. The dog, they're always. They yeah, do. They if do I could be the person that my dog thinks that I am all the yes. time, right? Exactly. You better than I did, exactly. Yeah, yes. for sure. That's wonderful. Well, we genuinely, on behalf of, you know, Girls with Graphs, but everyone at the Phoenix Society, we genuinely appreciate you taking the time out of your day today to join us on the podcast. Um, it means so much. And I know our burn survivors are going to be very thrilled to hear, you know, all of the great advice you have, but also mm-hmm. to kind of talk through some of these 
questions that are hot button issues, you know, quite often. So we want to thank you for that. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Amber and Rachel, for the opportunity to talk with you today. I really appreciate it. Yes, thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Girls with Crafts. If you are enjoying this content, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.